Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all here on this bright, sunny summer day. Awesome day to be together in God's house. Uh, we're our series, you can tell, Rivers and Roads, has kind of taken us through the book of Acts, but also to different locations throughout the Middle East. We started in Jerusalem. We moved out from there and went a little further. Today, we're going to be in Tarsus for a little while. We'll be in Antioch. We'll be in Jerusalem, places where the disciples spread the word of Jesus. Today, we're going to talk kind of a continuation of a message Pastor Mark preached two weeks ago, where he talked about us opening our arms to outsiders. Today, I want to talk to you a bit about what it would mean for us to open our arms to insiders. Sometimes it's harder to open our arms to insiders than it is to outsiders, right? Sometimes it's easier for me to meet somebody that I know, uh, or that I don't know, sorry, that I just met, and my friends tell me how great they are or what's going on in their lives, and I don't really know them, so it's easy to like them, right? Because I don't know all the bad stuff they've done. But if I know you, and I know the stuff you've done, or you know me, and you know the stuff I've done, sometimes that gets just a little bit tougher. Uh, How many of you all have ever done something stupid in your life? Raise your hand. All right, come on. Those of you who didn't raise your hands, you're in church. Come on, raise your hands. We've all done stupid stuff in our life, right? I mean, we've done things that we wish we hadn't. Uh, We're gonna talk about that a little bit. And how do we begin to not only walk through those stupid things, but how do those of us who've also done stupid things forgive others who've done stupid things against us? I'm gonna ask you if you would stand for a second. This is gonna be somewhat of a messy message. Um, I'll tell you that just to start off. Um, When we had our run-through on Thursday, it was the worst sermon run-through I have ever had. So just to kind of set the bar low for you today, okay? (laughs) Just so you're ready. We were going through it and I got... Probably I was 25 minutes through it and I just stopped and said, this makes no sense. This is not going where it needs to go. And, and uh, unfortunately or fortunately for me, some of you say, well, that happens every week, Pastor Dale, that you preach. Um, I went over and talked to my son. He was in here watching, um, the, the, kind of seeing how we do things. So I sat down and I was kind of saying that was bad. It's not normally like that. And he goes, yeah, I was wondering where you were going. I was like, just, just, just say, okay, dad, don't you know, say anything. <laughs> if you have your Bibles with you, open them to Acts chapter nine. Uh, I'm gonna be reading verses 19 to 31 because we're gonna, we're gonna share a little bit of a story of a guy named Saul. You know him as Paul, those of you that have grown up in church. He wrote about 30% of our New Testament. But before that, he was a guy named Saul. I'm gonna start reading at verse 19 to 31. Prior to this passage, um, Saul had been at the place where Stephen was stoned. Uh, A few weeks ago, we talked about the first martyr in the church, Stephen. And while he is proclaiming the gospel, the Jews get upset. They start throwing rocks at him. They kill him. And the end of chapter eight says, and Saul was standing there over their coats and he approved of everything that was being done. So then Saul comes back, and at the beginning of chapter 9, the same thing. Saul goes all over the place. 
He is uh, persecuting Christians. He's taking them, bringing them back to Jerusalem so that they can be imprisoned or killed. And um, then what happens is Saul gets caught in the middle of a trip to Damascus by the Lord Jesus Christ. He has a vision of him. The Lord talks to him about him persecuting believers. He says, why are you doing this to me? Saul has a miraculous conversion. He turns his life around. He comes back to Christ. And that's where we find our, ourselves in the story. Not comes back to Christ, comes to Christ in the first place. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is indeed the son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among the Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked. Didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So after a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. So some of you that are on Facebook right now um, and you feel like the things that you're putting out there are getting better and better and harder and harder for people to refute, read what happens here. <laughs> Saul's preaching becomes more powerful. The Jews couldn't refute his proofs. So instead of going, oh, you must be right, they decided to kill him. Just a little guidance for those of you on Facebook. So they were watching for, for him day and night in the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the other believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on his way to Damascus, how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus at Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some of the Greek speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea, sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the little bit of time that we get to spend today looking into your word. Father, we thank you for your church. As messed up at times as it can be, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us other believers. You have given us people that we can worship with together, people that can, can help us on the mission that you've set out before us. Father, as flawed as we all are, we thank you that you've given us to each other. God, I pray that you'd be with us as we, we look out to the world and try and help people come to you. That as we live together, we would live lives in such a way that, that others would be drawn to you. That they would see the way that we love one another. Lord, that they would see the ways that we handle some of the things that maybe don't quite go the way we want to. Father, we know that you've promised wherever two or three are gathered, you are right there. 
So we pray that today, Lord, as you worked through the life of your early church, may your Holy Spirit be here with us today. Speak to us. Open our eyes as we look around to see one another. Open our eyes, God, to see our own lives and our own hearts and the grace and forgiveness that you've extended to us. All these things, God, we ask and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I started to show y'all a clip of a video from the opening to the song or to the, the TV show Cheers. How many of y'all remember the, the TV show Cheers, right? Um, those of you that don't, you're too young. Um, basically, it's a song about this bar and they just hung out, talked, did things. But the theme song said, you know, making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. And it goes on about all these different things in the world. So some, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, right? And they're all so glad you came. Um, how many of y'all can testify that sometimes you just want to go where nobody knows your name? <laughs> there we go. Look at the people around. Those are the people that were, were not lying earlier when they said, yeah, I've done some stupid things, right? It's always interesting going to high school reunions, right? I remember talking to a buddy of mine who's a, he's a president of a university now. And uh, he went back to his college reunion. And he said, I was so excited to go back to my, to my high school, my college reunion. He said, because in college, I was kind of a nerd. And I said, no, no doubt, you're a president of a college. I mean, <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, but he said, I was kind of was, I didn't really fit in with everybody. He said, but I'm going back. And I felt like as I go back now, as we gathered together, people would understand who I was now. You know, it would be different now. I would go back and I would be in the in crowd. And he said, you know what I found? I went back to my college reunion and everybody gathered back up with all the same people that they'd always gathered up with. And I was still with the nerds. It's just kind of how it went. We get stuck. We can get stuck with how people think about us, with how people think we are. Sometimes we get stuck with how we think we are. See, in my mind, I still weigh 145 pounds. It's a problem sometimes when I go to do some things because I remember what I was, but the old body won't do what the body would do when it was 145 pounds. Sometimes we look at others and we can remember the good things they've done. Sometimes we look at others and we kind of, we kind of pigeonhole them. The church is great at doing that. We're awesome at doing that. Think about it, uh, some of the stories that we tell. Um, we tell the story of the woman caught in adultery, right? For her whole life now. She's been dead for 2,000 years, but she's not called the woman that Jesus forgave. She's called the woman who was caught in adultery. How would you like to have that name hung on you? Remember her? Oh yeah, that's the woman that was caught in adultery. Oh, great. I won't get to know her. How about uh, the man with the withered hand? <laughs> I, I could imagine him walking around people going, Oh yes, that's the man with the withered hand. He's going, it's not withered. He healed it. I'm not the man with the withered hand anymore. But that's what we still call him, right? How about blind Bartimaeus? Blind Bartimaeus. I wonder if they still called him that. Oh yeah, that's blind Bartimaeus. And he's going, I can see you. I heard you say that. I can hear too. Quit calling me blind Bartimaeus, right? I've been changed. My life is different. What about Simon the leper? How would you like to have that name hung on you? Simon the leper or doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas is the first person to proclaim that Jesus was God. 
the first person in the Bible to proclaim my Lord and my God. But we don't remember that he was the first person to proclaim Jesus as God. We just remember that he doubted, right? Some of us have those kind of monikers stuck to us uh, and we can't quite get over them. Um, have you ever had friends that have done really, really stupid things? Not you, I'm not talking about you, no, just friends. You know, friends that have done really stupid things. Then you've got names that you hang on them, right? That was the guy as your kids, you introduced them. This is the guy I told you about and you tell that stupid story and the dude's going, why am I always gonna be that guy, right? Why am I the guy who accidentally drove my car into the lake? Why am I the guy, anyway, we'll go on. How do we begin to, to be around people and know the things that they've done and still love them anyway? How do we begin to accept them? We're gonna get a little messy here this morning, okay? Because as y'all are looking around, I know some of y'all are really good. You know all the stories of everybody in the church. You can remember what they did. It's always fun coming into a new church. I came here 10 years ago, right? So when I first come in, y'all are, I have a brand new start with y'all. Y'all have a brand new start with me for about two weeks, right? Because somewhere along the line, I'm gonna meet the church gossip. You know what's gonna happen? Because she wants to make, or he wants to make sure that the new guy has the lay of the land and knows what's going on. And so very quickly, you get to hear about this person. And I said, oh, you know, I met so-and-so the other day. They do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do now. 20 years ago, this is what went on in their life. Oh, cool. I didn't need to know that, but thank you. Why does that happen in the church? Sometimes it's because of personal pain that something's been done to me and it hurts and I wanna make sure that person gets hurt back. Sometimes it's because of pain they've caused somebody else in my life. I have found that for me, it's a whole lot easier to forgive somebody that's done something to me. But if you've done something to my kids, it's really hard for me to forgive you. I'm just being honest right now. How many of y'all can testify to that? Yeah. Spouses. Somebody hurt your husband. Husband got over it. Husband forgave him. Husband's moved on. Wife don't move on, right? Or someone hurts your wife. Men have guns for reasons, right? I mean, y'all are laughing, but we get that. There's times where I can, I can forgive you for something that you've done to me, but someone that's close to me, it becomes tough. Take this guy, Saul, now. He's not just, you know, well, he was kind of a, he was kind of a rough guy. He killed people. He killed Christians. They didn't have capital punishment quite the way we do now. Um, there were things that you did that if it was religiously justified and y'all were able to do that, then we just kind of let it go. So the things Paul did, the Jews had said this was okay. We need to stamp out these things that are going wrong. Aren't you glad that if, if you're here in America and you say, well, I don't, really, you know, I don't really agree with what the Democrats did or I really don't agree with what the Republicans did, that the other party doesn't just kill you? We gotta wipe that out. Can't have any dissension here. That's what's going on. Now, Paul joins this group called the way, the followers of the way. They're people who follow this Jesus guy. 
They're beginning to go after him. And Paul says, this is messing up what's going on here. Um, the Romans are gonna get upset with us. These people are not being true. They're not being pure to who God is. God has no son. This is not true. Jesus was not the Messiah. We have to stamp this out. The best way to do it is to kill him. Say Paul had an anger issue. I mean, let's just kill him. I don't agree with you. You're gone. Paul was the Jewish mafia, right? Then he gets saved. Imagine before he got saved, he's in these churches. Uh, he's going to synagogues. He's finding out who the believers are. He's using some subversive methods. Now he gets saved and he goes to Jerusalem. He goes to Damascus. He goes to these places where the believers are and he's going, oh, I'm one of you now. They're going, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. We played that game. You're a spy. We're not gonna let you in. Have you really changed? That's how it happens in the life of our church. You say you've changed. You say you've made a difference. I'll believe it when I see it. How long does it take for you to see it? For some of you, a long time. I wanna make sure you've really made a change. There's a guy though by the name of Barnabas. Barnabas comes along Saul, begins to make a difference, begins to pull Saul along his side. I wanna to talk to you a second though about what happened in Saul's life in his early days when he first came to the church. He faced scrutiny by the church. Are you really who you say you are? We're not really sure about that. We're not sure we can trust you. He faced rejection by the church. The church sends him off finally to Caesarea and off to Tarsus. Just get away from us for a while. Go work things out. Let's see if you really are who you say you are. But for a while, you need to go away. We wanna make sure you're okay. He faced abuse by the church. He faced abuse by the church. Imagine if you had just become a believer and you came to church. And when you came to church, you faced scrutiny, you faced rejection, and you faced abuse. I don't know about you, but I'd have said, maybe I don't wanna be a part of this group. You realize that sometimes people are scared to come to the church for that very reason. People are scared to darken the doors of the church for that very reason. They've seen how we treat each other. They've seen how we treat the world and they go, eh, maybe, maybe I like this Jesus guy. It's his followers I struggle with. William Willimon says it's not a problem that people have with Christ. It's the leprous bride that he drags behind him. How's that make you feel? He says, it's not the problem with Jesus himself. It's the particularity and the peculiarity of the people that follow him. It's you and me. How are we following Christ specifically to look like him, to talk like him, to act like him, to open ourselves up where we may even be hurt by somebody, but we're willing to take the risks to extend grace to someone else. There's a guy that does that. He gets the nickname, the son of encouragement. His name is Barnabas. Um, in Acts chapter 11, uh, we find something awesome happening in the church. Barnabas had already sent Paul away, sends him down to Tarsus, but, but Barnabas has testified on Saul's behalf. He's really changed. He's really different. People are coming to Christ through him. 
What begins to happen in Acts chapter 11 is the church grows, the church starts to spread. The church goes up to a place called Antioch and believe it or not, now not just Jews are coming to Christ, but lots of Gentiles. Up until this point, we've had like an Ethiopian eunuch. We've had a Roman centurion. We've had one or two Gentiles coming to Jesus. Here and there, it's beginning to happen. At Antioch, tons of these people begin to follow Jesus. Barnabas goes down and gets this guy named Paul and says, hey, let's go up here because these Gentiles don't know you. They don't know your reputation. They don't know who you've been. So let's bring you in among them. So Barnabas and Paul begin to teach these new Christians. Here's what's crazy. In that place called Antioch, this guy that was killing the church teaches and trains these people so well that it's the first place that Christians get the name Christian. They begin to look like Christ. They begin to act like Christ. They begin to talk like Christ. Their whole life began to revolve around this guy named Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. You're just little Christians, little Christs walking around. That's all you do. It wasn't a positive term. It was a really negative term. But the people had become so like Jesus because this guy, Paul, who was a murderer, had changed. And they didn't know his past until he told them, here's what happened to me. Here's what I was and here's what I am. And alongside him was a friend who's going, it's true. I've seen it happen in his life. Look at the change. Listen to us as we talk to you. Now here's what happens to the church. Got a little, little experiment here for you. A few weeks ago I had filet mignon. Today we're gonna have some oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. You ready? So whenever we make cookies, we need some mixture. So what's in this mixture? Anybody know what's in this mixture? All you ladies that make stuff. This is not like the, the fancy, or not the, I mean the non-fancy. I'm just gonna put flour in here. I'm just gonna put sugar in here. I'm just gonna put a little bit of yeast in here, some rising, self-rising flour. This is just plain old cookie stuff, okay? So it's sugar, and that's about it. Chocolate chips. So we pour this in here, all right? So this is my favorite. If I was really making it for, for me to eat right now, there'd also be a little coconut we'd throw in there because every church has some nuts in it, right? So we gotta throw some coconut in there. We have a little bit of egg, right? So we want some egg, right? Oh, sorry. Pick that up and put that back in there. There we go. Gotta get some egg in This gets a little messy. I told you, church gets messy, right? People mess things up sometimes. It's not quite the way we wanted it. I hope this floor was clean for y'all. Stick of butter, right? When I read the directions, some of you made that's a joke. No, it's the whole stick of butter. That's why I love these cookies. Whole stick of butter. And then sometimes, right? Sometimes people like to add a little extra. So I do as well. And I have right here cinnamon, right? Except sometimes the people in the church have upset me. Have y'all seen that movie where the guy goes, I can't eat cinnamon, I'm allergic to cinnamon, right? So I find people who are allergic to cinnamon and I put extra in. Just kidding, I'm just kidding. Because this is really, it looks like cinnamon, doesn't it? But sometimes when I get upset, I do some things that are kind of rough to people. So this is cayenne pepper, right? You ever done that? And you know what happens, I feel bad. I feel bad that I've done that. 
So I try to take it out, right? Because I messed up, and I know I messed up. I don't think I'm ever getting all that out of there. I don't think I'm ever getting all the dirt off the egg. Right? And that's what the church looks like. Isn't that a blessing? You can now go home. But quite often we come to church, isn't that what it feels like? I'm coming, and what I'm wanting is some really great cookies. But somebody's messed part of it up. The egg's been on the floor. Someone else did something to tick somebody off on purpose. And as much as they want to ask for forgiveness, we look at them and go, you've done that a bunch of times. You don't seem to be changing any. Are there gonna be some changes in your life? Look at this early church. Saul comes to Christ. And I wish I could tell you, Saul came to Christ and everyone that had come to Christ said, oh my goodness, this is the most phenomenal thing. My life has changed, now Saul's life has changed. The world's gonna be a different place. But the place of grace rejected Saul. The place of grace rejected Saul. Except for one guy. His name was Barnabas. When I come to you today, I had all these great things I was gonna tell you, but basically it comes down to this. If you're gonna be the church, are we gonna be the church or are we gonna be Barnabas? Imagine if there was a church filled with Barnabases. That when people came that had messed up pasts, people that had done bad things and they got all mixed in with us, that there would be someone who would come alongside them, who would walk with them, who would provide safety when necessary. There's four things that Barnabas kind of did for Saul. He took the step to take Paul to safety to get him out of there when things were going bad. He took the step to bring Paul with him to disciple others. He took the step of accompanying Saul into harm's way. All three of these steps though began with Barnabas extending grace to a former murderer of Christians. Folks, that was not an easy step. Took a step of faith. Took a step of believing not only that God can do what he says he can do, but to come alongside a guy that was messy. Paul was not the easiest guy to be around. If you continue to read through the book of Acts, Paul doesn't just get kicked out of cities. Paul gets stoned. Paul gets flogged. People are about to kill him all the time. And guess who's with him most of the way? Barnabas. There's finally one point in time where Barnabas and Paul, they can't even get along. And they split ways. And it was over somebody else. Paul started messing with Barnabas's nephew. <laughs> Remember what I said? I can take a lot of stuff from you, but don't mess with my kids. And Barnabas is going, it's my nephew, Saul. Back off. Saul wouldn't back off. Saul wouldn't back off. Barnabas said, okay, you go that way. I'll go this way. Some of you are looking at me going, Pastor Dale, we're supposed to put a nice bow on this. Everything's supposed to work out great. It's the church. When God comes, everything works out perfectly, right? No, look around you. Look at that person in church that's offended you. Don't, don't do it right now. Don't do that right now. <laughs> you see something, I'll turn around. 
Imagine the one person that lots of people are looking at. What did I do? I said, I'm sorry. It's messy, isn't it? To be a part of God's church. But it's also a place where we can find God's grace when one by one, we as God's people decide, I'm gonna take that step. Why? Because God chose to forgive me. There may be somebody in here today who's you've heard this story, you're going, oh, I could never be really part of the church. You don't know what I've done. I don't have to know what you've done. Paul murdered the followers of Jesus and God drew him in. God sent his son, people killed his son, but the followers of his son began being killed and Saul's cheering them on. Saul begins doing more. Saul is killing them and God doesn't say, I'm gonna wipe him out. I'm gonna zap him, I'm gonna kill him. Have you thought about that? The easiest thing for God to do would have been to knock Saul off. Let's just stop that. And instead God goes, I want that guy on my side. So he appears to him and says, hey, come follow me. What do you mean come follow you? I know you're killing me, quit killing me. Follow me. And Paul begins a relationship with the living God that begins to transform the Middle East and is changing people's lives still today. So no matter how bad you think you've been, God's saying, I want you. I want you. I'm asking you if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. There may be somebody here today that says, I, I, wanna, I wanna pray. I'm gonna accept that kind of love. I've not been wanting to come to church because I know the kind of people that are there. Some of the people at your church have hurt me. Some of them, I know what they used to be. I know the stuff they used to do. but if God can extend that kind of grace and that kind of love to me, I want it today. Just like God transformed the life of Saul, he can do that in your life. Would you just come to him this morning and pray and say this, just say, Father, forgive me for the stuff that I've done. Forgive me for my sins. Lord, I know I'm not perfect. I know you know I'm not but I need your forgiveness today. I need your grace in my life. I need you to transform me. Father, forgive me, live in my life. Help me to be someone who shares your love with others. Help me know what it means to live in the life of your church. I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask if you would to stand with me. We're gonna do something a little bit different. We're gonna sing, and I'm gonna talk to people that are part of the church. Those of you that just prayed that prayer, you're now part of the church. You've accepted Jesus, you're going, I didn't wanna join the church, I just wanna accept Jesus. He makes you part of his family. But I wanna talk to those of us that maybe have been in the church for a while. Because some of us are in two different places. Some of us, as I was preaching, you may have walked around in your head through stories and God began to convict you. 
where you began to realize, you know what? I'm one of the people that's caused the church to have a bad name. I've claimed to be a Christian, but I've been doing things that others can point to and go, I don't wanna go to that church because that guy, he acts one way on Sunday and the rest of the way through the week. I don't wanna be around her because she acts this way on Sunday and this is the way she talks the rest of the week. And, And God may have begun to place some conviction on you. We have things down here called altars. And if you'd like to come and pray, simply say, God, forgive me. These altars are here for you. There's a second group of people that are here. And it may be the same person. There may be some of us who are in here today who are saying, I'm the person that can't forgive someone. They've done something, I know what they've done. I know what their life's like and I know they've come back to Christ, but for whatever reason, I can't get past what they've done. Whenever I see them, I'm struggling. I can't extend that grace to them. Jesus tells a few stories just for people just like you, just like me. One of those stories says this. Don't go to somebody else who's got a speck in their eye when you have a plank in your own eye. First, take the plank out. Then you can see to remove the speck from their eye. I would say this, I would add to that. Some of you have a speck in your eye and you see a plank in somebody else's eye. Go ahead and take the speck out of your own eye first too. I have found that if I will pray this prayer, whenever I'm really mad at somebody, God, you know what I'm feeling toward them. You know what they've done. Father, before I go speak to them or before I forgive them, would you point out in me if I'm doing something like that? I wish I could tell you I've quit praying that prayer. I want to quit praying that prayer because every time I pray it, God shows me something. I may not do the same thing, but I do something similar. And God says, why don't you extend them some grace? the same way I'm extending you my grace. Church, what if we did that? What if we began to extend grace to those that are around us? The next thing Jesus tells us is if God's brought up in your mind somebody that you've offended, I'm gonna do something really weird and tell you don't come to the altar today. Don't come to the altar today. Jesus says, if you're down at the altar, you're making a sacrifice and you realize there's someone that has something against you, you've done something wrong to them. Before you leave your sacrifice, get up and go to them. Ask their forgiveness, make things right, then come back. It's about reconciliation. It's about us as a church, loving God with everything that's in us and loving our neighbor as ourself. That's what it means to be a part of the church. Now I know that some of you have deep hurt that's from years of stuff that somebody's done. If God can forgive Paul, God can forgive you and God can forgive them. But it takes some of us stepping out to be Barnabas, saying, I'm gonna take that step. I'm gonna reach out. I'm gonna put my arm around them and we're gonna be the church. Would you bow your heads with me and then we're gonna sing in just a minute. God, I pray that you'd be with us today. My hands are messy, I got junk all over them. 
Your church is messy. God, I wish it would always be simple. I wish it would always be easy. I wish, I wish people would just act the way they're supposed to. God, I wish I would just always act the way I'm supposed to. God, give us strength to be who you died for us to be. God, extend your grace to us when we don't live in that grace, when we don't live in that strength. Be with us as we live in relationship with one another. That you would begin to shape us and transform us and make us look like you. God, forgive us. Forgive us for our sins. Help us to forgive others, even when we can't forget it. All these things, Father, we ask and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Before they start singing, one last thing for you. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, just forgive and forget? Right? I'm gonna blow that out of the water for you today just to get you mad at me. Throughout scripture, it talks about God not remembering things against us is actually the word that is used. Do you hear what it says? Not remembering things against us. God is not some grandfather with Alzheimer's. That when you go to him, he goes, oh, I don't remember that you did that. He's omniscient, he knows everything, he knows all. He doesn't remember it against you. We can't do that, we struggle to do that, I should say. We can, but we struggle. To look at someone who's hurt me and say, I remember what you've done, but I love you anyway. How much greater is the love of God who knows what you've done and loves you anyway? Who looks at somebody like Paul and says, you've been killing my children, but I love you and I want you to be a part of my family. That same God wants to put his spirit in you so that you can live that out with people in the world and people in the church. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.